Is HGH a background worker or a superstar? Well, if you have deficiency, it's a superstar. But if it's a background, as a background worker, if you're suboptimal, then those, all of those, the interactions that, for example, for testosterone, one of the, one of the, the main things is the division or the direction of calories into developing muscle as opposed to fat. So there's less fat generation, but more muscle generation. Well, growth hormone subsidizes that by the fact that it enhances muscular growth also and actually and decreases, for example, your visceral fat and your you know, uh-huh. gut fat. And so... HGH helps with that? Correct. Oh. Correct. Welcome to Your Infinite Health. Are you getting older? Are you feeling it? How would you like to do that in reverse? We're your host, Dr. Tripp, and Lene. We've run an integrative medicine practice for 13 years. Together, we have 60 years of combined experience helping clients. We've helped tens of thousands achieve success in health and live longer, happier lives. In this show, we'll cover peer-reviewed and evidence-based integrative approaches to creating the health you've always wanted. We also share professional experience we see in the field every day. So if you're ready to feel, look, and live your best life, you're in the right place. Welcome to your Infinite Health Podcast. Trip. Lene. Did I tell you the other day after I, I wrapped up my meditation, my daily meditation, I went to go buy 12 bees. But... The guy selling the bees, he gave me 13. And I said, hey, sir, you gave me an extra. You gave me extra. And he's like, yeah, that's a freebie. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> my, my buddy Galen sent that to me. Thought it was funny. Oh, that's good. That's good. So you've been hanging out in the woodlands outside of Houston. I kind of hijacked the podcast and interviewed my buddy Dean for like a really long time. Oh, great. great. Normal, normal than usual, but I hope everybody enjoyed it. So how was your event? Oh, it was a great event. Always is. A bunch of doctors there and some other, some paramedical personnel learning the new stuff. You're teaching them how to implement regenerative medicine into their own practices? Yeah, the optimization, regenerative medicine. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Well, recently we did a, we were a guest on, I think, Diane Gilman. I hope, I'm hoping I'm getting her last name right. Her podcast, and I don't think it's out yet. Listeners, when I get more information on that, I'll share it with you so that you can check it out because I think it was a pretty good interview. She was known as the, Jean Queen on the Home Shopping Network and is a breast cancer survivor. Correct. But she was talking about before before going through her breast cancer, she was a huge proponent of HGH, human growth hormone. Right, right. The experience with that. Yeah. And she's really not the only one. And I know that we use it in our practice. But so I thought maybe you could talk about that share with us what what it is, why it is. I mean, we could start there. I don't want to overwhelm you with multiple questions in a row like I usually do. Just give me one huge one. <laughs> <laughs> what it is. 
What is HGH and why do people love it? And why does the government hate it? Okay, but start with why people love it. I don't think the government hates it. Well, I don't know. I mean, for a while there, we couldn't get it regulated, overregulated, if you recall that. FDA approved the synthetic peptide. So, I mean, it was all, it's always been available, but it's only been available for certain indications. And those indications were primarily related to, to basically the growth hormone deficit that would cause uh, a dwarf and those, those types of things. So it wasn't, I mean, the thing that people are looking more at now to, and to where it's become a, a huge, huge fad has been, and reasonably so, is in adult growth hormone deficiency. So that's the real area of interest for growth hormone at this juncture. And, um, so what is it? It's something that we have naturally and then it declines as we age like every I, other hormone? It's the cause of our growth spurt in adolescence. And after that growth spurt, it, it's still present, but the roles become much more, much different, so to speak. They're always there. They're always activities of that hormone. And it's its major counterpart, which is created by its secretion, which is IGF-1. But those two peptides are really, really important. And if we don't have them when we're older, what happens is that we lose energy. When we have suboptimal levels, we, a number of their functions kind of disappear and result in a clinical syndrome that, that not many recognize. Okay. So do you have a question? <laughs> I do. So, I mean, I know that lady, she believed it was the fountain of youth. So people are receiving it, not for that initial diagnosis, but to live longer. So, so as we age, and I've talked about this before, I think the, we, after the, about the age of 25, we, the signaling and the and the function of the diverse organs in our bodies deteriorate very slowly and subtly cause a toxic kind of a toxic environment for the cells so that they're really not functioning as well as they used to they make more errors there's more risk for there there's more risk for the the byproducts of the toxicity and mutations and inflammation and those things so as we do at Infinite Health, what we do is we assess all these levels and the performance of the patients and then try to re-optimize them to give, get them back to that 25-year-old age level. And in that includes one of the primary things is IGF-1. We measure IGF-1. Is that IGF-1 what they measure to see if a woman's pregnant? I'm getting that confused with something else. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> what am I getting it confused with? Probably HCG is what you're. Oh, they're thinking HGH and HCG. Oh, I, yeah, I, I always get those confused. Yeah, yeah. So it was interesting because I had a guy from social media reach out to me because he has been getting testosterone. Just to, I think he's only been getting testosterone, and he hasn't been getting it properly. Is this a guy who's getting it every three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. His doctor is like dangerous, but <laughs> my, but I was like, it's not just your testosterone. Like, cause generally dudes that come to us, it's not just testosterone, depending on what they need. They're like, that shot is loaded with H 
HCG. Right, we put HCG in it, testosterone, a number of other things, depending on what the patient wants to opt in for. Yeah, so I feel like, and I think this is like the trend now where these little pop-up faux medical shops are popping up, dosing people with testosterone without really knowing what they're doing and not really taking into a consideration of all these other aspects like or the, you know, like the human growth hormone really the, the physiology of testosterone quite frankly and that's the case of that poor fellow is he's been getting he's been getting testosterone and he after about 10 days it's it's virtually gone and yeah but my, i guess my point was a he was like not being given proper dosing or personalized medicine but like even for the lady that was getting HGH, like she didn't talk about anything else. You don't know if she was on any other hormone or doing any other thing. It was so this idea that a singular supplement is going to be your saving grace, I think, is a flawed idea. Right. But that's what, that, unfortunately, that's what happens when something becomes popular by things and testosterone, estradiol progesterone are all those those star players they're the the superstar out there and but the superstars always have to have the cheerleaders they're subsidizing the effort and working the back scenes to make sure that the superstar has the best performance possible is hgh a background worker or a superstar so well, if you have deficiency, it's a superstar. But if you're, if it's a background, as a background worker, if you're suboptimal, then all of those, the interactions that, for example, for testosterone, one of the, the main things is the division or the direction of calories into developing muscle as opposed to fat. So there's less fat generation, but more muscle generation. Well, growth hormone subsidizes that by the fact that it enhances muscular, muscular growth also and actually and decreases, for example, your visceral fat and your, your mid-level uh -huh. gut fat. And so... HGH helps with that? Correct. Oh. Correct. So anything that produces that e increase in IGF-1 actually subsidizes that effort with the, and combines with the testosterone to get a better outcome. And it's cardioprotective and a number of other things. So they're working together to actually to create better, better cardiovascular health, for example, and the ability to use that cardiovascular health. Okay. So what are their risks? Risks. Well, Can you I mean, overdose on HGH? Well, it depends on how you're, it depends on how you're getting the H, how you're, your HGH, yes, there are potential risks with, with overdosing and the potential risk with, with HGH is that it, when you receive it, depending on the dosing, you can overdose on it and, and bypass the, the feedback loop, so to speak, so that, so that you can get those of the effects of acromegaly and overdose of growth hormone. Whereas, whereas, for example, if you're using a peptide that stimulates the growth hormone receptor to make the pituitary gland produced, then those peptides that do that CJC, Ibramorelin, those are all in the number of their, there are about a dozen of them. But at the same time, those, by using a peptide, it's a healthier, kind of a healthier way to approach it because you don't bypass the feedback loop, so to speak. And, and the production of, of other members of the IGF, insulin-like growth factor family, 
combine to counteract that, the excess, if so to speak, if you get into those areas. So because you can get it in a peptide form, do you find that people are like just buying it and not knowing how to dose themselves? Yeah, that's occurring all the time. Is that generally like weightlifters? Well, bodybuilders are certainly among, they were among the first that, that use these things clinically, so to speak, and to enhance the outcomes of their exercise. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, the real challenge there is that it may have been supervised when they initially started using it, but at the end of the day, then it became so popular because people were winning prizes and whatever competitions with it, then ultimately these things tend to get popular and go to the black market and get out of hand. And people then have the byproducts of overdosing. And Well, not only that, but you don't even know if what you're getting is what you were told you're getting. Like there's no... It's true too. So very interesting. So you have men and women on this peptide. Do you have like a star case study you could talk about? What? With uh, somebody that's on or been doing well, HGH? Well, I think if you talk about Diane, I mean, her, and, and I think I mentioned this to her when we were talking, I think she may have been getting the benefits also of estradiol, the estradiol, or I don't think she was on, I think she was on a synthetic estrogen derivative. And that was one of the reasons her physician at, in New York told her that she had maybe stimulated, overstimulated her breast gland cells and caused breast cancer. Although I think the, the true outcome there is that she was having great, a great sense of well-being. Her energy had come back. She had, she was going and blowing. And I, I think uh, she attributed that to the, to the growth hormone more than she did the, the female hormone replacement therapy. And I think it was a combination of all those things really that, that made her feel so good and so rejuvenated. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, she had a great response to it. And a lot of people, especially those individuals, those those male and female individuals that end up with adult growth hormone deficiency, actually they present very much the same way as someone with estradiol or, or testosterone deficiency would with a kind of the lack of energy, easy fatigue, their muscle strength fades, they can't do their workouts anymore and that type of thing. And then biologically, they're, the byproduct of all that is that they're, you look at their cholesterol levels and their bad cholesterol levels and their kind of the, the profile of cardiovascular risk, it becomes much more prominent in those people. So you, the bad cholesterol goes up and their cardiovascular risk is significantly increased by that profile because their cholesterol has been enhanced by the absence of the growth hormone, which wow. is a, a metabolic balancer, so to speak. And continues to, actually, it's a kind of a repair hormone after our growth spurt. It helps our cells that may create an error and may be delving towards the welfare cell or zombie cell kind of population. You love and, talking about those yeah. zombie cells. Yeah. So, but as that happens, the toxicity of the environment would include that, the change in the metabolism and the absence of the repair because of the low growth hormone level and subsequently low. IGF-1, I mean, physiologically, growth hormone has a very, very short half-life and, and actually it effectuates the end effects of growth hormone are really mediated by the IGF-1 insulin-like growth factor, one out of that family. So really interesting feedback loop there.
Hmm, it is interesting. So what do you think would be one thing everybody should know about it if they're going to a doctor to get it? Like, what's one thing somebody should ask? Well, it, it should be asked probably in the context of their symptomatology. They're coming in with a symptom profile, that symptom profile that has developed over probably months and is causing deterioration in the environment in their body. And uh, if it's just the growth hormone, which is un- it would be highly unlikely it's just the growth hormone by itself. The suboptimal levels of all these over the last 15 years, as I've been following different people's profiles, I mean, I, I would say probably anywhere from 70 to 85% of, the, of our patients probably have suboptimal levels if they're 35, 40 years old or older. You mean of people who come to see you, but not your right. patients because you have optimized your patients. Oh, excuse me. Yes, of course. Just an important detail oh. there. Anybody who's not your patient probably has suboptimal levels. <laughs> so there you He won't say it, but I will. Fascinating. Fascinating. So, <laughs> so that being said, the, if the symptoms of that fatigue, easy fatigability, and that's out there everywhere. I don't know, a patient that comes in new to us that doesn't complain about fatigue and easy fatigability. I don't believe anyone rarely, unless they're already optimized, comes in and says, oh, my energy is bristling like I was when I was 20 years old. I have to say, I think, I think since COVID, like life just seems more stressful emotionally. And I think that creates a lot of fatigue, just the mental and emotional stress that a person goes through on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I know for me, I start out stressful because I have to get the kids up, get in the car by a certain time, get through 30 to 40 minutes worth of idiot drivers on I-10 to get the child to school. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm not the only one that is like hitting the clock and going from first thing in the morning. And then depending on what's going on in your day, it's very rarely, I think, that you just, you know, that you have a unicorn, butterfly, chocolate chip, wonderful day, you know, so it makes sense. Well, I guess think, my- think about that scenario, though, because what you're describing also, and this is a, in our in our world that we live in, the this kind of fast paced world that we live in, mm-hmm. we're going, 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 going. And some of us, besides that stress, that external stress that we're, we're actually formulating for ourselves, sure. depending on how we, depending on how we interpret the information that we receive, if that is ongoing all the time, plus let's say you have a little infection here or there, a little virus or a little something or other, or any other kind of physical stress, then that stress consumes, that consumes DHEA, that consumes cortisol, that consumes Well, yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. I think that's why everybody... Insulin, that consumes... That's why everybody is so freaking tired. that consumption, that consumption, if it's not being thought about, then you end up with what they call uh, adrenal fatigue also, which can be, which can be really... The two things I always focus on in, in somebody that comes in that's complaining about fatigue, the first two things... If they don't work, nothing works, then is cortisol and thyroid. So adrenal function, adrenal cortisol and corticosteroid function, and then thyroid. And virtually all of the patients that, oh, I say 70 to 80% of patients who come in have some 
deteriorated suboptimal function of those two organs. And by getting the replacement, by getting those replacements that have to be supervised, obviously you don't want to overdose on this stuff because overdosing on like DHEA can interfere with your other steroid hormones like testosterone, estradiol, progesterone, all of those things. But that and thyroid, and then add to that your growth hormone. If mm-hmm. uh, And you might be more predisposed if you, were, you got involved in sports, you had head trauma, mild concussions or things like that, because the pituitary may not be communicating as well as it should be with the hypothalamus. And that's how the, that's kind of the control loop with, with growth hormone that you, that needs to be. So first thing I'll think about if I see a low, a low or a suboptimal growth hormone level will be, wow, did, you know, I'll ask during the initial interview or the second interview if they've had head trauma or, I don't know, a motor vehicle accident or any of these common occurrences nowadays that could potentially impair the communication between the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. So it all works together. Yeah, it's all... It, all inter, all interconnected and integrated. Right. Ergo, our integrative approach to medicine... Well, awesome. Did you, was there anything else? Is there anything else I forgot to ask you about or anything else you wanted to add? Well, I think a couple of little, just a little notes on, on replacement with either peptides or HGH. You're maintaining good levels and that with the IGF-1 is going to be important. And then, Sorry, guys, we're at home. Dogs are barking. It's life. So go ahead. And go ahead. Su- subsequently, I think those stay on top of those levels are really important because you can't just presume that things are in a a good range because your body's consumption of these things changes from minute to minute, from stressor to stressor, from activity to activity. And the need for a good balance and, and stay on top of those things is really, really important. And a lot of people take that, take that for granted and start taking the same dose over and over and over again and either get too much or too little or for the environment. So I, for example, I try and, I try and get my patients to learn how to monitor certain parameters so that they can actually say, oh, this might be off, that might be off. I might need a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. And then they're instructed to contact us just in case that if they think things are off a little bit so they can get information to, to make adjustments if necessary. So very important to not just get stuck on a dose but right. and, to adjust and, according to what's going on in your life and your activity level and things like that. And I think last thing, the last thing to think to think about is mood deterioration and cognitive deterioration and all of these things, testosterone, growth hormone, uh, thyroid, and cortisol. All of those can manifest, DHEA can manifest by my cognitive difficulties are, yes, I'm, am I manifesting that right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel time. like you're manifesting a <laughs> cognitive <laughs> difficulty? Let me think about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so all of those things, if they're suboptimal, if they're just a little suboptimal or they're frankly deficient, they will, will manifest by mood disorders and depression, anxiety, all of those oh, things. So then you get into so misdiagnoses. How, how many times have we seen patients come in that have been put on antidepressants and all of these things, and some antipsychotics even I've had come in that actually their hormones were so poorly balanced and they were so suboptimal in all of these different areas that after their correction, there was 
well, aside from the effect of the, the medication and the need to taper them slowly because they have side effects with withdrawal, they n- never needed those drugs in the first place. And so that, that is one of the things that I, I kind of rage about is that we have people so going in so quickly giving these... Are we still on the topic s- of HGH? SSRIs, yeah, that, that uh, yeah, because the, it's not HGH we're talking about, it's IGF-1 and the ability to increase the effects of growth hormone. But at the same time, we have, we have the, the ability to maybe be a little bit more discerning about what's going on with the patient. Instead of just giving them a, I'm sorry, I'm on my soapbox. You are. <laughs> just give it's them so a, easy. my antidepressant. Here, have a half People pill. make it so yeah. easy to get on that soapbox. So, listener, I apologize. We're going to get off that soapbox because <laughs> we're running out of time. Oh, I just want to make sure that you've said, made all the points you want to make. Yeah, I think we've covered it. <laughs> okay. All right, listener, I hope you have find that informational and helpful. And if you have any questions about HGH, feel free to reach out. You can go to our website, yourinfinitehealth.com. Obviously, we're not going to provide medical advice over the website, but... We've got a, don't we have a blog out on this now too? There may also be a blog. Also, if you have any suggestions for something that you would like for us to cover, please also reach out as well. Love to get your feedback, your positive, constructive feedback. And until next time. Thanks for subscribing to Your Infinite Health. I'm Dr. Tripp. And I'm Lynnae. Until next time, feel it, look it, and live it.